Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 41 of the V-Team podcast. I'm your host, Eric Busby, and similar to a couple weeks ago, I will be the only one speaking to you for a little while tonight. In the second half of this podcast, we have a brand new snake draft coming your way, which we are really excited about. We have not recorded it yet, but should be a blast. We have some new voices for you guys to listen to. And uh, yeah, we're pumped, but we have a couple things to cover first. And it's all basketball related, pretty much. Ben trusted me to do this, so I hope I'm not letting him down. We had the NBA draft last Thursday. And if you listen to last Wednesday's episode, we kind of touched on it for just a second there. But, yeah, the NBA offseason kind of snuck up on me. and I was not prepared for it, and I'm ready to talk about it now. So let's dive on into it. So, like I said, draft. I have a few overarching takeaways. First of all, I watched the ESPN feed. I heard the a- the ABC feed wasn't good either. The ESPN feed was so bad. Yeah, Kendrick Perkins just screwing up everyone's name. You had Jay Billis, who's the only person on the panel that's actually watched any of these guys play. He's afraid to say anything bad about anyone. Throwing out comps like, Giannis and LeBron and Kobe and all these all-time greats just kind of the drop of a hat like hang on man this guy went 24th like I I don't think he's gonna be James Harden reincarnated but the draft was so exciting uh even if you have to kind of let let the commentary go in one ear and out the other and it started off with a bang right at the top so we had kind of gotten word of this Wednesday night going into Thursday morning. The odds had kind of shifted. So all through the draft process, Jabari Smith was the projected number one overall pick. Basically, since the draft lottery happened, every mock had Jabari Smith to Orlando. And then over the course of Wednesday night, Thursday morning, basically every sports book had shifted, had Palo as the favorite. And then Woj, good old buddy Woj, sends out a tweet Thursday morning saying NBA execs are still operating under the assumption, basically, that the top three is going to be Jabari, Chet, Paolo, in that order. So the odds shift to back. And then what happens? As the draft starts, Woj tweets out, hearing that Paolo may be going number one, which the books all told us he was going number one, you know, 12 hours earlier, and sure enough, Palo goes number one. And people were not happy with Woj and Shams for obvious reasons. Gambling is a part of our everyday lives now, and uh, people got played in this. It was kind of interesting to watch on Twitter, but, man, if I had any skin in the game, I would have been pretty upset by the he said, she said sort of deal. Which brings us to the second point of contention off the top Orlando had the number one overall pick it's been set in stone since I believe May whenever the draft lottery is held I'm not entirely sure and everything said Jabari 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 and then the draft day comes and they take Paolo Paolo Bancaro combo forward probably play a little bit of center if you absolutely need him to out of Duke 
So Orlando ran this smoke screen, right, trying to get the word out that they were taking Jabari all the way up until draft night. Even so much that they didn't work out Paolo. And my question is, why? Like, you have the number one overall pick. Who's going to jump you? If you say, hey, we're taking Paolo, like, okay, cool. I can't do anything about it unless you trade me that pick. And if you're that convicted on Paolo, it's going to take a lot for them to, to move up. I just I don't understand why they would go through the charade of pushing the Jabari narrative for as long as they did just to take someone else. And again, it's nothing against Palo. I think Palo's gonna be awesome, but I just don't understand the purpose of it. Maybe I'm just not a, an NBA mind like the geniuses running the Orlando Magic are. I don't know. So everything got started that way. Palo going number one, Chet fell in line, and number two, as everyone predicted. Javari Smith fell to three with the Houston Rockets. That didn't please me, being in the same division as them. But that leads us into the fourth pick. And this is where I'm going to start my winners and losers. I have teams separated out in three tiers here. Winners, losers, and wait and see. Which, if I'm being completely honest, all of these teams should be in wait and see. But what's the fun of that? It's more fun to throw our takes out there and then three years from now have someone aggregate it and you be completely wrong and be an idiot which I didn't need anyone to tell me I'm an idiot. I knew that already. So let's hop over to the winner, shall we? My first winner is Detroit. At number five, they had Jaden Ivey fall to them. I think Jaden Ivey is really good. I have questions about how he's going to translate in the NBA, more so than other people. But there's no doubt in my mind that he was the best uh, talent available on the board at five, and I think he's going to fit in nicely with Kate Cunningham. Uh, they still have Sadiq Bey, who's now probably going to be a third or fourth option, depending on uh, how they work with Jalen Duran, the center from Memphis, which they got by trading the, the some future pick in like 2025 to the Knicks. I don't know. that Jalen Duran got traded to the three different teams all in the same night. It was hard to follow. So, yeah, they came away with Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran each in the top 11, if I'm not mistaken. That makes them a winner in my book. So now you're looking at a lineup of Cade, Ivy, Bay. Uh, I, oh, gosh. Uh, I guess they're going to throw um, that French point guard out there, whose name I can't remember because he's absolutely atrocious at basketball and Jalen Duran. But. It's a fun young core, anyway, for those top four pieces. And I'm excited to see how it works out. I think they had, they absolutely pulled a haul on draft night. Our second winner is Houston. We already talked about it. But Jabari falling to them at three is really good. And then they got Tari Eason at 16 or 17, who, at the very least, you know, is going to play hard and, and absolutely be a menace on defense. If the jump shot looks like it did last year at LSU, you, you're got, you got something there. And – you spent the middle of the first round pick on him. They also got Ty Ty Washington for virtually nothing at the end of the first round. That was the trade with the Grizzlies, which we'll get to later, where they got him at 29. Um, and people like Ty Ty. I'm not the biggest Ty Ty fan, but again, you're taking someone at 29 who was a former McDonald's All American, top 10 high school recruit, played at Kentucky, was kind of forced to be the guy at Kentucky. Um, 
that's not going to be his role in the NBA, obviously. He's coming into a team that still has Jalen Green in front of him, Josh Christopher in front of him, KPJ in front of him. Uh, so he's going to be fighting for minutes there, but worth taking a flyer on a guy like that if you can get it. I also really like what the Spurs did. I'm a huge Jeremy Sohan believer. I don't know what he does on a basketball court, so this is kind of counterintuitive, I guess. But what he does works. He can defend all five positions. He can play make for you a little bit. He is not, like, he's good down low in the post offensively. He can shoot a little bit. He just doesn't shoot it, if that makes any sense. I, I'm a believer that he impacts winning in a way. I hate saying this because that's what everyone points to a Draymond, right? Like, he impacts winning in ways that you can't see it in the box score. Sometimes he just doesn't impact winning, and you just want to make it seem that way. But he's one of those kind of guys that I think does do that. And Spurs got him in the top ten, and they got Malachi Branham, who couldn't guard me, but can. This is going to be an absolute bucket off the bench. They got him at twenty overall. Then Blake Wesley at twenty three, the guard from Notre Dame, showed some skill last year as a playmaker and a three point shooter. Really athletic, and again. Third pick in the first round, you're just taking a flyer on a guy. Why not take a flyer on a guy that has actual talent that may have just not realized it yet? My last winner for all my Atlanta fans out there, I got the Hawks. You just sat back at 16. You let A.J. Griffin fall to you, who many people think could be one of the better scorers in this draft. Uh, the injury history does concern me, but the talent is definitely there. You didn't have to do anything to go get him. You just – Got to sit back and watch it all happen. So kudos to you. My losers for the night is this low-hanging fruit at this point. But, again, going back to that fourth pick, the Kings. And it's not because they took Keegan Murray over Jaden Ivey. I had concerns as to how Ivey would fit in that system with Davion Mitchell and uh, De'Aaron Fox and all those guys, especially since they traded Halliburton. Like Halliburton seems like a, a per, an easier person to fit into that scheme than Ivy, and they had already gotten rid of him. But at the very least, like I feel like you could have gotten something for four, and it seemed like they just settled on Keegan Murray rather than trying to move back for more picks and a guy that is – Keegan Murray equivalent or close to Keegan Murray at the very least. Maybe you could have gotten a guy like Shaden Sharp, who's a huge mystery. Uh, Dyson Daniels from the G League, who's a huge mystery. Um, you never know. I, some of these guys might hit. And Keegan Murray is he, uh, Keegan Murray is built as a guy that's going to play many, many years in the NBA. He's got a good-looking shot. Uh he is a skilled basketball player. He's just not the high ceiling player that Jaden Ivey is. And I think you can find players like Keegan Murray a lot easier than you can find guys like Ivy. And getting picks back, if you don't need that guy, seems to be more important than taking the low ceiling guy. My second loser of the night's the Knicks. They traded Jalen Duran, their 11th overall pick, for future picks. This is basically all in an attempt. Oh, they also dumped um, Timba Walker in the process. But this is all basically an attempt to lure Jalen Brunson. 
And I have the Knicks as a loser, not because like what they did was bad. Like if you want to kick the can down the road, that's fine. If you don't believe in anyone in this draft in that slot, that's fine. But they're clearing cap space for Jalen Brunson. And I like Jalen Brunson. I think Jalen Brunson's a really good basketball player. But does that really matter to the Knicks at this point? Like, okay, you're going to get a point guard into the, in there to run the show, and you're going to finish, like, sixth in the East at best. You're going to be in the play-in situation. They're just, they just seem like they're in such a hurry to compete and compete now that they're content with fighting for eight rather than building another young core around R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, uh, Obi Toppin, if you believe in him, you know, guys like that that they already have on the roster. My third and final loser for the night are the Hornets, the Charlotte Hornets, for those unfamiliar with their work. They had picks 13 and 15 coming into the draft, and they basically deferred 20 or they basically deferred the uh, 13th overall pick to 2025. I think it's a top four protected pick from the Bucks, if I'm not mistaken, or Blazers or somebody. Obviously, it has to be some, from somebody, right? So they're just going to hope that pick turns out to be better than 13, where they were already picking. Um, I'm personally not a fan of taking that risk. I'm risk averse. So I would have just made a pick on the guy that I believed in. And maybe they didn't believe in someone. I don't, I don't know. All three of these teams could come back and be awesome in, you know, five years based on what they did in this draft. And this entire segment will be moot. And I will look even more dumb than I already am. But I just don't like it. I, I think they could have either used that pick on a young guy and brought him in to help um, Ball and Bridges. Instead, they ended up with a pick three years from now and Mark Williams. Like Mark Williams, he's fine. He's going to be a good NBA player. But the high upside play wasn't there. There, there are stories that they had to basically trade this pick to create the salary space available to re-sign Miles Bridges, in which case, sure, fine, but you've had Miles Bridges for four years now, and that's gotten you blown out in two straight playing games. I know it's not necessarily Miles Bridges' fault, but you, if you're basing your team around LaMelo and Bridges – and hoping that you can fill in the gaps around them, you kind of see what that gets you. And uh, it's nothing spectacular. You're really relying on Gordon Hayward to be healthy, and Gordon Hayward's just never healthy. That's a bad bet. A wait-and-see teams. The easiest one of these is OKC, right? They took Chet at number two. Chet is a 7-1 freak. I don't know if he's a power forward or center or what. He can do a little bit of everything on a basketball court, but he's built like Slender Man. Uh, I weighed more than him in sixth grade. Granted, I'm a pudgy kid, but 
I'm interested to see how that works out. And they traded, I believe, three picks to the Knicks to select that 11, Usman Jang, the French guard, who everyone says, like, oh, yeah, this guy could be awesome. He could also suck. Huge project. They took Jalen Williams and I Santa Clara at number 12, and then the other Jalen Williams from Arkansas, one of my least favorite players in the entire country, uh, in the 30s somewhere. So that's not going to be confusing at all. But at some point with OKC, like you have Shea, you have Giddy. In theory, you have Chet now if he pans out. You have your three guys. If Jang hits, if Jalen Williams hits, if Poku hits at some point, yeah, you look great. But this could all burst really quickly. They're all they're, they keep taking the same guy. They keep taking the the big home run swing. And at some point, if you have Shea and you have Giddy and you have Chet, if all three of those guys are good guys, and I think at least two of them are, because we've seen Shea Gilders Alexander be really good and we've seen Josh Giddy be really good, you kind of have to fill in the gaps there with players that know their role. And I don't know if Usman Jang is ever going to know his role in the NBA, if he's as high as ceiling, high as up, high and upside, like, guys everyone says he is who knows he might think he's the star and then you're left with a bunch of guys that think they're the dude and no one knows how to play with each other I'm still a fan of what OKC did I'm just excited to watch it all play out so that's why I have them in this wait and see category I have Portland in wait and see because they took the absolute biggest mystery box in the draft in Shaden Sharp. Depending on who you listen to, he he's uh, basically James Harden. Or he's a guy that is absolutely terrified of competition, and once he found out he was going to be a top-ten pick, he just stopped playing basketball. He didn't play Kentucky last year. He didn't make his rounds in uh, AAU or anything like that after you know the high school stuff was over. Um, So him, we're just going to have to watch him play. It'll be interesting to see how he fits uh, next to Dame, Anthony Simons, if they bring him back, um, all those guys, because you know he's going to want the ball, and that's Dame's team. So my third and final wait-and-see team is New Orleans, basically because they took Dyson Daniels at eight. They took EJ Liddell at 40, I believe. We've got to know what EJ Liddell is going to be. There's one of these guys every year that's six six, but he's going to be a power forward. Uh, he's going to play hard. He's going to do the little things right. He's a smart guy. You know where he's going to be. He's going to not make too many mistakes, right? Dyson Daniels is the, the guy that we don't know about. Can he come in there and run the show like everyone suggests? Because if so, awesome, because – then CJ can play off ball. Brandon Ingram can play off ball. Uh, Zion can play off ball. All those guys can can feast. Um, if he's not good, then you're kind of stuck in the same. We don't have a point guard. Everyone's just going to take a turn here and see what happens, which it worked out. I'm very high on the Pelicans. But if you can get a guy in there that can distribute, and I think Dyson Daniels is like 6'8 or something like that, like big old point guard wing type guy that can handle the ball and initiate the offense. That's a scary, scary side.
So it wouldn't be me if I didn't hop on here and talk about the Grizzlies draft picks for a minute. I came into the night thinking the Grizzlies had 22, 29, and 47. No shot in hell they're taking all three. I think they're going to consolidate, end up out of this draft with two guys. We'll move on to free agency and see what happens. I was right. No way in hell they came out of the draft with three guys. They came out with four. So they traded 22 and 29 to move up to 19 to take Jake LaRavia, combo forward out of Wake Forest. I get a lot of Kyle Anderson vibes, who the Grizzlies have on the team already, obviously. Unrestricted free agent, so maybe not for too much longer. The big difference is that Jake LaRavia shot 38% for three. And Kyle Anderson takes both an hour to shoot and then hits the front of the rim every time. Love Kyle Anderson, but I think if you can get a guy that can do the things Kyle Anderson does and knock down a shot or two, you take it. And then the bigger shock for me came at pick 23. The Grizzlies traded DeAnthony Melton, who I'm a huge fan of. I think DeAnthony Melton is a very, very good basketball player. Just didn't really work out in the playoffs. He was never really part of Taylor Jenkins' plans, it seems. Um, kind of a streaky shooter, but, man, whenever Jonathan Melton was hitting shots, he was awesome because he was playing the passing lane. His on-ball defense was a little bit overrated. We got steals, got deflections, did all kinds of stuff that helps you out in transition. Um, but they traded Anthony Melton for Danny Green, who don't like don't pay attention to that. Danny Green's not going to be on the roster for very much longer. Um, and the 23rd pick, which they used to draft David Roddy. Another forward out of Colorado State. David Roddy is a, if you don't know who that is, Google him. He's 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. I think he measured 6'6 six, six at the combine. 260? He is a, just a bulk of muscle. And he can do a little bit of everything, too. He, they drafted a lot of guys that are good at, can you pass, can you dribble, can you shoot? Can you defend? A lot of the guys that they draft, you can do that. David Roddy shot 44% from three last year at Colorado State. He was the WAC player of the year, Mountain West player of the year, whichever conference that is. I'd be lying if I said that I knew off the top of my head. 19 points per game, eight rebounds. He was the main distributor, main playmaker for that team. Uh, my biggest concern is that he may be too slow to guard on the perimeter and maybe too small to guard down low, which, yeah, major concern. That's a, that's a big time issue there if it's actually true. But what David Roddy has that most of these smaller forwards don't have is again, the 250, 260 pounds of just absolute muscle. At 38 overall, the Grizzlies, Okay, let me backtrack here. Anyone that texted me pre-draft about my thoughts on the Grizzlies picks knows that there was basically one guy I didn't want to come out the night with. And his name is Kennedy Chandler, point guard from Tennessee. I never wanted a point a backup point guard in the first round. 
And the Grizzlies took him at 38. They traded a future second to take him at 38. Even I can't be mad at taking Kenny Chandler at 38, the staunchest of Kenny Chandler haters. He seems like a good kid in all the interviews that I've watched. He was awesome at Tennessee. I just – I'm not a fan of taking a backup point guard in the first round whenever you have a guy in jaw that, like, I want to have on the court as much as possible. And if he's not on the court bad – like, you're not going anywhere anyway. We saw that with Tyus this year. Tyus is awesome. Let me get to Tyus later. I hope they bring him back. But if you lose Ja, like, it doesn't matter anyway. So I, I'm just not a fan of investing draft capital in that whenever you could get a guy for – a cheap contract then to just kind of initiate the offense, get the ball in someone else's hands and be done with it. But taking a former top 10 overall uh, high school recruit, McDonald's All-American in 38, who was really good his freshman year at Tennessee, uh, I'm not I'm not mad about that. He, like I said, even me being the staunchest hater I am, I, I couldn't be upset about that. You're not wasting very much draft capital there. I think Kenley Chandler is going to bounce back and forth between South Haven with the hustle and the Grizzlies. But I think, uh, I think he's going to be on the, he's going to definitely be on the main roster. Um, I'm excited to see how he does. He's a small six foot guard, but he makes up for it with long wingspan and just explosiveness. I think he had a 41 inch vertical at the combine. So absolutely insane hops to go along with a team with absolute insane hops. Then at a 47, the Grizzlies drafted Vince Williams Jr. from VCU. Typical three and D wing kind of guy. Uh, again, he all four guys shot thirty eight percent or uh, or above from three. Vince Williams plays very good defense, and he's got the body to be NBA ready now. Um, he was asked to play make a lot at VCU, and watching the the film, he's not particularly great at it. But good news is he's not going to have to do that here. So. As a 47th overall pick, you're just taking a flyer on a guy that you think could maybe sort of kind of help you and not kill you whenever he's on the court. Um, so, yeah, that's what they did. They took a, they took three three or four-year college guys and then Kennedy Chandler, who played like a three- or four-year college guy. Kennedy Chandler went to prep school in Kansas, and, you know, he's been acting like he's a pro for a couple years now, so just without the title. I'm a big fan of this draft class. I think that they're all good, solid rotation players. I don't think that anyone here is going to be like a home run. Like, I don't think in five years you're going to be looking up and being like, Jake LaRavia is a top 20 player in the NBA. But I think Jake LaRavia, David Roddy, all these guys can come in and help you win games now doing various things. I also think this means that Kyle Anderson has gone because LaRavia and Roddy do a lot of the things that he do, that he do, that he did with the added fact that they can shoot. Which, as I said, Kyle Anderson cannot. So the NBA offseason is split up into basically two different events, if you want to call them that. The first event is what we just talked about, the NBA draft. The second event... It's free agency. And free agency starts June the 30th at midnight. So we'll uh, we'll see some news trickle out at some point in the very near future about who's going where. But we already have a couple things. 
that we know for sure. Let's start off with a big one. A couple days ago, it looked like Kyrie Irving might opt out with the Nets and signed like a six like a six million dollar contract with the Lakers or something crazy like that. Only Kyrie would be someone crazy enough to do that. Guess what? Even he's not going to leave $36 million on the table. He opted back in. And just as an aside, I am so sick and tired of Kyrie. Uh, I'm not ever going to be one of those guys that sit there and say, shut up and dribble, because in no other walks of life are you just excluded from giving your opinion because of the profession that you have but we're supposed to say basketball players can't. But Kyrie, man, like, you're such a fake-ass free thinker, dude. Like, let's let's look let's look at the Kyrie timeline here, right? You're overshadowed by LeBron in Cleveland. You wanted your own team. Ooh, groundbreaking stuff there. Star player wants to have his own team. So you went to Boston. Didn't work out. Then you go and join KD, form this uh, quasi-super team, in Brooklyn. Ooh, original thought there, my man. You joined a super team. That's never been done before. And then you opted in for $36 million. Oh, never seen a star do that before either. Off the basketball court, being a flat earther doesn't make you a free thinker or that makes you an idiot. And not getting vaccinated doesn't make you a free thinker. That means that you watch one of three available news sources for you. So yeah, Kyrie's going back to Brooklyn because why would he not go back to Brooklyn for $36 million? Play with one of the best basketball players we've ever seen. And Ben Simmons, hopefully if he's healthy on a team that is pretty ready to win a title if they have all their guys back. I also love that uh, they tried to make it incentive-based because, duh. Like, hey, dude, we will pay you this money. You're an awesome basketball player. You get this $36 million if you, hey, dude, get this, play basketball. And Kyrie's like, what? So that's where we stand. Kyrie's going back to the Nets. Uh, it was a fun little 24 to 48 hours there of people throwing out Kevin Durant trade propositions, but it's not going to happen. And other, uh, yeah, duh news, uh, Russell Westbrook opted into his $47 million player option with the Lakers. Because, again, why not? And then John Wall got bought out. I think the Rockets ended up giving him $40 million to go away. It's already been reported that he is signing with the Clippers, which the NBA, being hypocritical, is probably just going to let this by. But is, if, is that just not blatant tampering? I, they took away a second-round pick from the Bucks for doing that a couple of years ago. But I doubt they do anything to a team and maybe – the biggest market if it's not New York in the NBA, even if it is the lesser of the two teams there. Big names we're looking at for Bradley Beal looks like he's going to opt out and then sign, what, like a five-year, $240 million, $250 million extension with Washington and then probably ask out in a year because 
Washington can pay him the most money, and then he can just kind of go elsewhere and do whatever he pleases. It's the way the NBA works now. It's not great, but it's kind of where we are. James Harden is going to take a three- or four-year deal, if I remember reading correctly, from Philadelphia. So it looks like he'll be back there. Zach Levine's probably going to get the max from Chicago. Uh, he's got some knee issues, so that's kind of bothersome. But I don't know what else Chicago can do. And if they believe he's healthy, then go for it. Zach Levine is 27, and he's gotten better every single year he's been in the NBA. And the one that we touched on earlier and the only one that might – that's looking like he might change teams is Jalen Brunson. I don't think Dallas is going to have enough to resign him. I think New York's going to throw him a bag. I think that's kind of his preferred destination. That's what's being reported here recently. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I – like I said, Jalen Brunson's a really good basketball player. He's going to come in. Tibbs is going to play him 38 minutes a game, and he's not going to make too many mistakes. And he's going to run the show and probably put up, what, like 18 points, eight assists a game, and really, really drive that Knicks offense to the nine overall seed. So congrats to Jalen Brunson on getting a bag, and congrats on the Knicks on being relevant again. You still have trade targets out there? Rudy Gobert did not get traded on draft night, but I still think that the Jazz are going to move him at some point here soon. Uh, DeAndre Ayton is a sign-and-trade candidate. I don't think he wants to go back to Phoenix the way it all ended, but if you're Phoenix, you can't just lose him for nothing. He was the number one overall pick a couple of years ago. I think there's going to be a sign-and-trade worked out somewhere in the next week or so with DeAndre Ayton. I just absolutely have no clue where. Detroit looked like the spot, and they took Jalen Durham. John Collins is still on the trade block. I like John Collins. But there seems to be some sort of disagreement there between him, the front office, maybe another star player on the team. I'm not entirely sure. And uh, – you know, his name's been floated out there for the last couple of days with some big name guys or maybe just, you know, clearing some cap space somewhere along the lines. And then the last one, DeJounte Murray. They talked about a DeJounte Murray for John Collins swap at one point. I don't think that's going to happen right now, but it's looking like DeJounte Murray is going to get traded. I also, I love DeJounte Murray. I have such a basketball crush on DeJounte Murray. He averaged 19-9-8 and eight last year, triple-double machine, first-time All-Star. Uh if the, the word on the street is he's going to Atlanta, I cannot wait to see how him and Trey Young play together. I think getting Trey Young off ball sometimes would be really intriguing if you had Trey Young coming off like a screen and just bombing away from three. Trey Young's three point shooting is a little bit overrated, but I mean, that guy's still terrifying on the basketball court with the ball in his hands or without. So I'm excited to see how that goes. A 6 6 point guard that you know, can guard one through three. And I think he led the, the league in steals last year, if I'm not mistaken. And that's what you need next to Trey Young. So he's someone that's going to guard the better guard on the other team and kind of let Trey Young maneuver on offense. So and then a week we have summer league. And I'm going to be completely honest. The Grizzlies summer league roster, not that anyone cares absolutely stacked i am that moron that bubbling buffoon that sits there and watches summer league all the time 
I find it very intriguing. I like watching the new guys. I like watching guys that are fighting for contracts somewhere. And it's just on all day. Like, they're short games. Uh, they're playing in a gym designed for, like, youth rec sports. Uh, it's just fun to watch. And uh, I'll be watching again this year. So, we'll see how it goes. The last thing I want to talk to you guys about before we hop on to the fun shenanigans of part two. Uh, the College World Series happened this weekend, and I would like – I know many people are expecting me to come on here and, you know, talk trash about Ole Miss and spew some rivalry stuff. And, you know, I really wanted to do that. But I think I'm just – I think I need to be the bigger man here. Sometimes being toxic is not the best route to take. You know, Bryson Chadwick III is – He's going to say whatever he wants to say, but I'm going to be the bigger man here. And I'm going to congratulate Ole Miss on winning their first ever men's team sport national title in school history. Welcome to the club. It's fun. Never do it again. First ever men's national championship in any sport. Congrats to Ole Miss. Anyway, guys, that's going to wrap up part one of this podcast. Stick with us to the break. And uh, we have some fun coming your way in part two. So hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the B-Team podcast. Quick editor's note here. Listening back, I realized that I got the Knicks, Thunder, and Hornets trades from draft night. All kinds of mixed up here. So please disregard any misinformation you would have heard. As I've said numerous times, I am dumb. Just know that the Knicks came away with a lot of picks and Trevor Keels. The Thunder came away with three top, top 12 picks and the Hornets came away with Mark Williams and a pick in 2025. That is all. Now back to your regularly scheduled B-Team podcast. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the B-Team podcast. And as I said, we have a special snake draft for you. We have two new faces, voices, I don't know what we're going to call it, and uh, one familiar one. With us, we have Zach Martin. You'll remember him from all of the Braves drama going on. Zach, say what's up. How's it going, everybody? Good to be back. Good to be back. And then people don't know our personal lives, but four-person group chat, I figured for the snake draft, why not grab all four people? So the other two, Dalton Coleman, whose name you've definitely heard on the podcast. Hey, guys. Uh... <laughs> Thanks for having me, Busby. It's it's an honor to be here after this, uh, this podcast has pretty much driven your net worth up into the millions. I'm glad you still have time for a moron like me. <laughs> I appreciate it, dude. And then uh, the fourth person, Tommy Leroy. Tommy, what's going on, dude? Hey, man. Thanks for uh, having me. This is going to be fun. Yeah. So the snake draft theme tonight, sports, what ifs? And this can be anything personal to you. This can be overarching sports, what ifs? It's kind of up to your... Uh, own brain to come up with them and uh with the three of you goofballs i have no clue what's going to be said but yeah i think it's going to be interesting let's say that much so, uh everyone listening ben is absent and i'm about to call him for the draft order i've explained the rules of the draft order to these guys you'll understand why in a second ben uh he's he's not in the best of shape right now so She had the vid? 
He's got the vid. Oh no! No, right, please, please. no not the vid. I thought that didn't exist right. anymore. Yeah, I thought we beat that. All right, Tommy. You're the newest person on here, Dalton. I'm not counting you since we've at least talked about you before. Okay. You're a cool. popular person. Uh, so, uh, Tommy, you give me a number between one and a hundred. Twenty-four. Dalton. Uh, we'll go forty-six. You had sixty-two in your jersey. Yeah, I almost said that, but sixty-nine. <laughs> Zachariah. Sixty-nine. That's just absurd. Um. I'm going to go with 25. Okay. I'm just trying to game Ben. I have no clue what he's going to say. Right next to Tommy. One number. Yeah. Not really Tommy's got everything 24 and below. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, buddy? I need you to pick a number between 1 and 100 for us. Oh, no. <laughs> With 61. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. All right, Zach. That leaves you. Oh, man. Um, That's tough. I'm going to go. Uh, I'll go second. Uh, Dalton, you're next. All right. I'll take the first spot. I don't trust you guys yeah. with, the, with the best one. So. Or what I think is the best one. I'll take three, Tommy. That leaves you at four. Okay. I like that. All right. Without further ado, we all know the guidelines here. Dalton, I'm going to toss it over to you. All right. So this is sports what if, just to make sure I didn't prepare for the wrong thing here, right? It is. All right. Cool. Cool. So <laughs> my first sports what if is what if Tom Brady and the Patriots lost Super Bowl 50 and 51? Um. Yeah, I think maybe he retires after losing to the Eagles, which was not listed in this because it was a clear beatdown of the Patriots. Uh, go Birds. But I think those two Super Bowls he would have lost in a row maybe would have taken him out of the desire to play after maybe after the Eagles lost and maybe after they beat the Rams. I think the NFL landscape looked completely different. Uh, Tom Brady lost those two Super Bowls, and you're not talking about as the greatest of all time. He's 7-3 and three in Super Bowls. That would have moved him to – what, three and five uh, in Super Bowls? He would have lost five consecutive Super Bowls at that point if he lost to the, let's see, who was it? It was the Seahawks, the Falcons, and the Eagles in a row. Um, and the crazy thing about this is it could have been changed in two plays. All Pete Carroll had to do was run the ball, and all the Falcons had to do was kick a field goal at any point in the second half, and we wouldn't even be talking about any of this. Uh, so, to me, that's my biggest what if. I think that, that changes the NFL almost completely uh, if he lost both of those Super Bowls. So, there you go. Zach? I just want to say something. I feel like Zach has to speak on this one first. Uh, Tom Brady slander on this podcast is a little ridiculous. Now, I'm not a Patriots fan or a Tom Brady super fan by any means, but come on, guys. Ben, I know you're I, pers- I personally don't think it's enough. Uh, that's crazy, man. Free Fuck Tom. Tom Brady. I mean, yeah, my, one of my one of my what ifs was going to be what if uh, Freeman made his block in the fourth quarter where fucking Matt Ryan fumbled and we lost. That's what lost us the game. He was thrown to a wide receiver that was wide open down the field. That's where the game ended. 
I, I don't fuck your what if. I, I'm not, I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might like that one. I picked that one especially for you. Uh, I'm sorry. Tom, you got anything you want to add here? I mean, I I somewhat agree that I don't think Tom Brady gets enough slander in these these situations. I I think a lot of these Super Bowls he's gotten pretty lucky. Um, and he beat the Rams ten to three, thirteen. Yeah, 13. yeah. And Same thing. Well, I mean, it it just getting to the Super Bowl in the first place is is difficult enough. So for that aspect, you know, he deserves all the praise. But um, some of these games, he's definitely gotten a little bit lucky. I mean. And at the same time, if he does lose a Super Bowl like that one against the Falcons, he might come back stronger the next year. You know, the mental headspace could be a lot different. So, uh, again, I think there's a lot of what ifs in play. But um, yeah, he also got a crazy helmet catch from that giant Super Bowl. I don't know who the guy was that made that. David catch. Tyree. David Tyree. Yeah. But I mean, he also got Legend. some great guy. Love him. Yeah. Worst seventeen and zero team ever in the history of the NFL. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess right, I Zach. guess the thing always goes that you can get lucky when when you're as good as he is, or when you yeah perform at a high and level. I guess I guess if we're gonna throw the Tyree catch out there, we gotta talk about the Manningham. Was it Mario Manningham? His catch on the sideline a couple years oh. after that. Mm-hmm. Just absolute nobody's just saving the Giants multiple times. And then Plexico Burr shot himself. It has nothing <laughs> to do with this. I just wanted to bring it up. Man, being a Giants fan would suck so bad right now. Sorry, Matty Darnowski, RIP. <laughs> Your football fandom's dead. All right, Zach, you're on the clock. Uh, mine would be, uh, what if Jordan didn't retire the first time? I think uh, if he doesn't retire after their first three-peat and take basically two years off, they would have had a run like the Celtics. I mean, he came back, and then they went back and got another three-peat. But if he never leaves and they just keep building that roster, I mean, I think it's like some kind of even like crazy Celtics run back in the 60s and 70s. So I think that changed a lot of different teams. Um, so I think if he never goes away, his stats are unbelievable, and he's already the goat in my opinion. But you take you bring those couple years back where he decided he needed to play baseball. I mean, he's just in another echelon. Correction: What if he wasn't a degenerative gambler and just an overall piece of shit and wasn't forced to retire for those two years, aka being suspended? That doesn't even make any sense. Why would the NBA want to suspend their biggest product? It's a fun thought. <laughs> just silly. Take off your tin hat. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, I don't really have anything to add to that after what Zach just said. It just makes total sense, and there's really really nothing else I can say about that. That's a good one. Not as good as the first one, in my opinion. I actually, so I've actually heard, so down at Nate Grove 23, down in uh, – down in the Jupiter area that he's down there gambling all the time, playing golf, obviously makes sense. Big gambling game. Uh, and he's retired now. There's this guy uh, from up here, his name is John Bazzelli. He plays on tour and he's gotten dragged into a lot of these games. And I've heard that he has so much fun with it that he tends not to practice a whole lot and, and whatnot. So 
I can see the the lure of a professional athlete getting drawn into that. And uh, I definitely think there's a lot of guys out there, Phil Mickelson included, that have these huge gambling problems. Yeah, gambling is fun. <laughs> Very addictive. It's only a problem if you can't pay off your debts. Yeah. yeah that's why Phil's playing with the lid now. <laughs> that's what yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. You know, Philip became a problem. Jordan's still a billionaire, so I don't think I don't think he's got it. You, you see Pat Perez's shirt? No. Pat Perez, they had the little like induction to live event and he's wearing a shirt covered in dollar bills. <laughs> That's awesome. Own it. Zach, I had that one on my list too, so I had to go ahead and mark that one off. Good. I'm going to move over to a sport that I think is all of our favorites. Uh, there's several dominoes that had to go into this for it to even happen in the first place, but I'm taking what if Alabama had hired Rich Rodriguez instead of Nick Saban? Oh, I thought you were going to do a disc golf one. Dang. Alabama was trending in a bad way after Don Shula or Mike Shula, whichever Shula it was, all the Shulas. Yeah. And uh, Rich Rod's career kind of went to shit right after that. And uh, Nick Saban went on to coach the greatest college football dynasty that we've ever seen and collectively ruined a lot of our Octobers and Novembers. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'll tell you what, if everything else plays out the same, then I think we win uh, SEC West in 2014. Rich Rod should have never left West Virginia, period. Uh, he should have just never left West Virginia. His career just absolutely shit the bed once he left. So what would have happened to Saban in this scenario? Would he stay with – he came from LSU, right? No, yeah, he was he, Miami. No, he was a, yeah, he was yeah, with the Dolphins. Right. There's another thing where, like, you can play the what-if scenario of him being in Miami still. Hmm. Um, I'm assuming he would have gotten another college football job, probably Texas somewhere down the road is what I would guess. But. No, you have to add in that Drew Brees gets cleared by the Dolphins doctors while Saban is in Miami to keep him there, and then it's right. Just, uh, uh, that whole was different paradigm. That, that was on my list, hence why I didn't <laughs> say it. <laughs> well, good. It's all wrapped into the same thing, so I'm calling it out. Okay. I should also say I did not tell you all this. There is a two veto system here. I don't know why any of these would get vetoed. But if two people want to throw it out there, that's the rule. So, gotcha. I think Dalton. So if you think something, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Like, if you just assume one of these ties into another, you can toss it out there. But you'd be an asshole for it. Well, I may have to be an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the group chat. (laughs) But that's what I'm going with. I'm going with Alabama hiring Nick Saban instead of Rich Rodriguez. Okay. Make our lives a lot easier and less painful. Yeah, we'll take that. All right, so um, this is actually a meme, and I love reading this meme every time. But um, my favorite is the Bills, and it's actually in 1968, even though the meme says 1970. They barely lost a game on a bad pass for a touchdown that allowed them to get the first pick in the draft, take OJ Simpson. OJ stays in Buffalo for a while, meets his wife, then allegedly kills her, then hires Robert Kardashian to be his lawyer. They win the case, making the Kardashians somewhat famous. 
then Kim drops a sex tape, becomes famous. So basically the 1968 bills are the reason why we have to deal with the Kardashians today. And if he had never come to Buffalo, he never would have met this woman and things would be a lot different. So that's my biggest what if. Uh, we don't have to deal with the Kardashians because the bills were so terrible in 1968. <laughs> <laughs> and we, I don't know, we might benefit more from having that reality than than Rodriguez at Alabama. That's <laughs> yeah, close. That's a good one. I think OJ kills someone no matter where he ends up. <laughs> That's just my opinion. He's well, maybe killer. somebody else is famous then. <laughs> yeah, just that was a long <laughs> what if, by the way, but it sucked me in. <laughs> that just blew my mind. Oh, yeah. oh. I've never heard that. Never heard that meme. Oh, I'll send it to the group chat right now. Tom, you get two in a row, huh? Yeah, Tom yeah, gets two in a row. Bad. You want me to just jump right into the next one, then? You guys don't have anything right. to say about OJ? Yeah. No, I would rather not say anything about OJ. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, next one. And this is where I might get vetoed. Uh, Veto. What if Dez <laughs> actually caught it? Well, he did. And, well, the NFL came back and said that he did, though. Yeah, but he didn't catch it. Look at the game replay. <clears throat> okay, so you're admitting that he didn't catch it if you're saying, what if he did? What if it was ruled that he caught it? Uh, okay. <laughs> what ifs are already changing. <laughs> so the, the crazy thing is, so they win that game, they move on. I mean, that was right at the end of the game. They end up playing in Seattle where they won in week six of that year. Um, not saying that it's the same thing playing in week six as a, an NFC championship game, but we're looking at probably the best chance that Tony Romo's ever had at, at making a, making a Super Bowl. And then you take on the Patriots who won that game against the Seahawks that year on the Malcolm Butler interception. Yeah. Tony and, Romo's never had a blunder against the Seahawks before, has he? Yeah, I was going to say, but <laughs> I don't well, like against Seattle in the playoffs. This is the 2014-2015 season. That's right. You beat the Lions in the first round. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, hear, hear me out on this. I don't think that – you can say that it was Tony Romo's best chance, but not only was the only team you beat that year the team that has won zero playoff games in the past 25 years, but you're also a team with the second lowest playoff winning percentage in 25 years, and – I don't know. I mean, you could say that, but all those other teams that, that made it to playoff games that the Cowboys had didn't really do anything with it. I, I mean, I, I don't know if it changes the, the end result of the season, but yeah, I mean, that is a big what if. Because he definitely didn't catch it. Just, just looking at the film, uh, in my opinion, I don't know why I would say that, but uh, I'm not sure that it changes the end result, even there in Seattle. Didn't Seattle go on to win that year? No, that's when they didn't run the ball on the one-yard line. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. But the Cowboys beat them in the regular season in Seattle. I, and we already have and we already have the what if of if Tom Brady lost that Super Bowl. So we're hmm. all living in this alternate timeline. 
You started this, Dalton. Yeah, you can't be changing. Really, this what if and ends in Tom Brady losing the Super Bowl to the Cowboys. Yeah, it's not nightmare. No, your nightmare would be that happening, but the Cowboys beating the Eagles in the NFC Championship game to get there. Yeah, that's absolutely my nightmare, 100%. But I don't think I have to worry about that. They've won three playoff games in the past 25 years. Hey, they still have some of the most wins in an NFL history in the playoffs. It's just a bad stretch. you got to get Jerry out. Yeah. Congrats on all the winning they did before you were a fan. Yeah, they won Super Bowl 27, 28, and 30, and we're on 57 this year. So it's been a minute. I almost threw out the I almost threw out the what if Carson Wentz didn't get hurt. That was on my list too. That would change so much. <laughs> Falcons definitely win the Super Bowl then. If Carson Wentz doesn't get hurt, yeah, the year after, yeah, I, that's kind of what I was thinking. No, I mean we would have beat you guys in that year. We played you guys. Never mind. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. And uh, yeah. well, Busby might never have to deal with the Carson Wentz and Indy situation. That, but I don't know who we would have had last year. And do you talk Philip Rivers into not retiring? Is that your next what if? No, it's your turn. I mean, it's your no. turn, and that was kind of a what if. So okay, well, let's not let's not get going with was on, dude. <laughs> Carson Wentz is definitely uh, Julio Jones doesn't have that football go right through his hands in the end zone to win that uh, divisional round game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, is the goal just to hit the Falcons on your end here today? Or what's, the, what's, the, what's the deal here, man? What's the what's the deal here? We'll bring That's out cute. Zach's old demons. Yeah, what the fuck, man? I thought you my, hated the Cowboys. Well, my dad's a Falcons fan, so I have all these jabs prepared ahead of time. So I figure I'll throw them at you and see how you react. Well, it's not fun. Maybe okay, be nice to your dad. My dad. I am. I am nice to him. Oh, but... I don't think so. Not if, not if these are the jabs you got. He called me after the unfortunate College World Series circumstances and said the phrase that I will not say uh, on this podcast. And I assume I will be thrown out, which I should be. Yeah. Um, so I get to give him a little crap about the Falcons for sure. Okay, well, give it to him, not me. I didn't say it. Okay, okay, my bad. I didn't say it, dude. All right, guys, we talked about this one earlier today. I'm not going to let it keep going. What if Cam Newton, what if we just ponied up the 180 grand that Cam oh, Newton wanted for that new bad, church? Dude. That's a good one to take. That Auburn team stunk. Yeah. <laughs> I've thought about this so much. I think our defense was a large amount better than theirs um and we, we lost nine you know, and three with ralph right like that's yeah. the same season i think so it was nine and four nine and, uh, four and, we, and we lost to auburn 17 14 in the regular season I was just about to say that was my first sec game in davis wade stadium and man that one hurt uh there was a lot of pain that year that double overtime loss to arkansas uh where Vic ballard fumbled it across the goal line uh yeah. that one was Looking back on the year, a little bit more painful, but at the time that Arkansas also definitely more painful. But man, a lot of close losses that year could have changed everything. Although we did go on to beat Michigan, what fifty-two to thirteen in the Gator Bowl or something. Like yeah, shout out Rich Rod again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> down that downwards. Imagine we'd be able to do that every year when he was in Tuscaloosa. 
They had that guy uh, that was on the NCAA 10 cover, right? What was that guy's name? Uh, no, uh, Denaro uh, Robinson? Yeah. That was 14. Uh, yeah. Uh, what? Yeah, that was NCAA 14. Okay, so that wasn't the same team at all. No. No, no but it would have been cool if it was, because then I would have been <laughs> more on. Mm-hmm. All right, Zach, I'm sorry for stealing yours, but you're back up. Um, all right. Mine's kind of tied into what you guys said earlier, but not really at all. <laughs> but what if Drew Bledsoe never got hurt? Um, well, I, I that, was, that was one I of mine. Know, I don't know if, you know, Tom Brady certainly doesn't have the career he has. He obviously was good enough to be a starter somewhere and get his role at some point. But if it's not with Bill Belichick, A, Bill's not a six-time Super Bowl winner. Tom Brady is not a seven-time Super Bowl winner. How good does he become when if he just becomes a free agency-type quarterback and just tries to catch on somewhere else? I think that would have changed everything if Bledsoe just didn't get run the fuck over and almost die. Well, part of part of that, I also became a Bills fan when Drew Bledsoe was in town and then became a Cowboys fan. And then he goes to the Cowboys, gets hurt, and Romo comes in too. So you get two guys here who... You're not you're not comparing Tom Brady to Tony Romo right now, are you? Serious? I was a legendary broadcaster, but yeah, no, I you know he could end up sitting for many more years, not have nearly as big an opportunity as he did, and you know he might not be the face of the league. He's that's that was one of my I thought that was a big one. Yeah, yeah. Later, they might have just used a early draft pick on somebody else if they didn't know what they had in Brady. I think the first episode or two of Man in the Arena that I think it's on like Prime or something uh, about Tom Brady. It goes into detail about this a lot. And like uh, they interviewed Drew Bledsoe a lot and talks about how tough it was for him to watch all that. It's pretty good. Uh, if you haven't watched that, you should check it out. I've watched oh. that. I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm not going to watch dude, that. <laughs> I mean, do, do, do you want me to be transparent or not? <laughs> you, you should watch that, man. You should watch that. Just oh, Tom Brady. You can't hate him that much. I hate him what? significantly what? less that he's not what? in New England. He is a lot funnier now that he's in Tampa. He whoops my ass more, but he's <laughs> just a funnier dude now, and I don't I don't hate him as much. Still fucking hate him. <laughs> okay. and Tom Brady was the fucking worst, though. That guy sucked. Yeah, imagine playing him in the AFC Championship game every year for a decade. Well, that's, that's three. Like, fuck you. That's all. All I needed was one year of it. All I needed was once, <laughs> and it is remembered for forever in NFL lore. Okay. That's another reason why I think even if Nick Saban stays in Miami and Drew Brees sticks it out there, do they even get out of their division regularly? Like, they give the Patriots. Much Mark Sanchez fight. and Rex Ryan won the AFC East a couple of times. Yeah, I think they <laughs> might be able to win it once. I'm just used to all the sad Bills fans that got rolled for 15 years straight. We never talk about uh, Tom Brady just destroying his knee and Matt Castle, who was a backup in college, going 11-5. and five. And missing the playoffs. Because Chad Pennington beat him in the last week of the season. 
Can you imagine losing to a trash team and a trash quarterback on the last week of the year when all you have to do is win and get in? <laughs> it would really suck if you had it two weeks in a row. Sorry, sorry, boobs. You know, Dalton got me I've started. been on your side all night. <laughs> I, I just had to stray I'm taking no prisoners. Also, Carson Wentz starts the season in Jacksonville this year. Can't wait for that one. Uh, that's that's going to win the Super Bowl. All right, Dalton, you're up. All right, so mine's kind of close to Busby's, but it's uh, it's a little farther back in time. So mine is what if Bear Bryant never left Texas A&M for Alabama? Um, so I think he left in 1957, and Alabama won the championship with him in 61, 64, 65, 73, 78, and 79. So it's a pretty long, consistent period of success. And I think that's why they have the infrastructure to become, I guess, the, you know, the massive program that they have been today. It's because of that, that old school success that they had with him. Uh, would Bear Bryant have kind of figured it out at Texas A&M and turned them into the, the modern day Alabama, which I guess they're trying to become right now. Uh, and they seem to be doing okay, even without him being there, despite being owned by Mississippi State consistently every year in football. Uh, shout out to Nick Fitzgerald, mayor of College Station. Uh, but I just wonder if 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 Alabama's as attractive as a destination, and if they ever really generate that that magnitude of a program without without that history that he brought there. I don't, I don't think they do. I don't think they're anything to write home about if Bear Bryant doesn't they'll leave Texas A&M for them. And that's my second what if. Yeah, I I think. Tuscaloosa looks a lot more like Starkville today if that happens. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's the campus there is like the only nice part of Tuscaloosa. And I feel like a lot of that has to do with their their notion of being a blue blood in football, which started right around that time. So I, I don't think you have the, the money going to Alabama, all the people from New York City and New Jersey and all over the place up here sending their kids to Alabama because yeah. they're just, they're not the football powerhouse unless somebody else somehow makes that magic happen in between. I would also like to add, there's an extra layer here where you're not only changing like college football history, you're changing movie history because who the fuck is on the sidelines whenever Forrest Gump runs into the tunnel <laughs> after returning that kick. <laughs> That's true. That's true. What year was Forrest Gump doing all that shit? Like 1970? The movie came out in 94, but yeah, sure, we'll go with that. So maybe it's like Bobby Bowden when he was 40 then. <laughs> that guy was like at Florida State till he was like 1,000 years old. So maybe he gets the job at Alabama and, and does that instead. But so my third, I'm going to make my third pick now. And this is like kind of, uh, it's not really related to a specific sports scenario, but it's what if soccer had the traction of any of the other big four sports teams throughout the 19th, or sorry, the 1900s. So uh, I just wonder how much different our presence on a global scale, like in the World Cup, and how much like a, a soccer league here would have taken over um, and become something like an English Premier League or a La Liga or a Bundesliga. And who knows, with those athletes that we can produce in the other four sports uh what are we consistently winning in hockey, uh, baseball? There's nobody playing football in the Olympics, but 
uh, in basketball pretty regularly. I think if that's on a big four sports level, then we're consistently winning or at least making the semifinals in a World Cup. Uh, and there's really no excuse that we shouldn't be right now, but I think if soccer has it catches on in the 1900s here and we and we kind of develop those athletes that we're definitely, you know, at the, a top tier soccer country. And that's a little, that's a strange one for me. I don't watch too much soccer. I've become a Newcastle fan here recently, uh, maybe three or four years ago, trying to get into it a little bit more. Uh, but I just want to change it up with that one. I like that one. And I kind of think that um, you might be seeing that growth or attempted growth in that sport over the next five, you know, I think it started. And I think over the next five, 10 years with the world cup coming here in 2026, I think you're going to see the sport really, really um, emphasize advertising. MLS has grown demonstratively over the Mm -hmm. last few years. So I think, I think we're never going to catch the European soccer leagues because it's just a different brand, but I think you're, you're seeing the gap close, and I think you're going to see us close the gap, like you said, on the world stage, not not necessarily anytime soon, but uh, over the next 20 years or so, as the sport continues to grow, a lot more athletes will go that way. I don't, I don't like soccer, so I, I don't give a fuck, but that, that'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> and all the big-name guys on the men's national team right now are young guys. So yeah. You're already kind of seeing that shift a little bit. No, well, I think a lot of it is that, you know, younger parents don't want their kids playing football now after all the, the things that have come out about concussions. So a lot of the younger athletes are going to sports like soccer. Lacrosse is growing tremendously in, in the U.S. too. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, no other no other sports moment makes me want to run around butt-ass naked as much as when the United States scores a goal in the World Cup. Like, it's automatic. At least shirt's coming off and I'm running around the room. So I'd like to see some more, uh, some more success on that on that stage. It gets me gets me fired up to beat everyone else in the world. Does I'm tired of my teams here. Well, they don't really do this, but winning against other American teams, I I want to beat everyone all around the, the planet. The and, is so fun, especially when it's in Europe or something, and and the games are at like 10 a.m. But all the bars here are opening, and everybody's going out to to watch the game. It's so fun. Black Friday is going to be lit this year. Yeah, I'm going to be in uh, Switzerland for the last group stage game of the Swiss national team, and I'll be in uh, France for the uh, the group of 16 in the semifinals this year. And I'm going to use that as an excuse to burn some burn some shit because I'm sure it does. <laughs> That's awesome. Don't, I didn't expect that pick out of you. Yeah, it was it was a decent one. All right, Zach. You got to be running low. You only came with three, so yeah, and two of them, and two of them were used by others. So it's just really <laughs> off the top of the noggin. Here. Um, I'll go with what if the worst infield fly rule ever called in the 2012 uh, um, wild card game was called correctly and not ruled an infield fly. Um, since that game has been played, there has not been a single ball that has reached that distance called an infield fly since that game. That's the worst call in the history of the game. The Braves lost because of that. It was Chippers last year. It ended a Hall of Famer's career, and they were hot. Braves were hot going into that. If 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 the uh, Cardinals didn't pay the umps, we definitely win that game, probably get hot, continue on, win the World Series. But just absolutely the worst call I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, 
it was embarrassing for baseball. Boobs, I don't care what you have to say. Okay. Let's <laughs> just move on. I, like yeah, I, move on. I would like to hear it, but I just want to let you know I don't care. No, I just I thought we were doing sports what ifs, not sports the umpire made the correct call and here's the outcome of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happened. Worst call in the history of baseball. Speaking of worst in baseball, Major League Baseball is the worst professional sport. <laughs> <laughs> The games don't mean anything. Thank you for, for coming to my TED Talk. And some of them mean something. And some of them. You want a World it's Series, man. Don't, don't take this away from me. Right, congratulations. I'm super happy for you. Uh, Thank you. That means a lot. I've tried to be a race fan for 29 years, and I've failed 29 times. I just do not care. <laughs> <laughs> just give it a second Tommy's going to start talking about 17 rings that they all won before he became a fan <laughs> hey that's 10 cents <laughs> alright I'm going to take us back in time a little bit this is a personal one for me to 1997 the Grizzlies made a trade for a fellow by the name of Otis Thorpe this would have been the Vancouver Grizzlies at the time Ooh. Otis Thorpe was a 35-year-old <laughs> basketball player, obviously. Did, did you know what the Grizzlies were at that point? No. Can we but, veto this? I mean, Dalton picked Bear Bryant. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see where you're going with this, Boobs. You really, you really, you have 35 written down. You seem to be going real deep into your uh, list here. The Grizzlies traded for a fellow by the name of Otis Thorpe. He was a 35-year-old uh some sort of NBA player. He played a whopping 45 games for the Vancouver Grizzlies before he retired. And the pick that they traded to receive Otis Thorpe ended up being the second overall pick in the 2003 draft, the one that featured LeBron, D. Wade, Chris Bosh, and Carmelo all in the top five. Who was taken second? Darko. Okay, so we have to assume you guys take Darko. We, we, it, it, there, there is a world that exists where Darko is the pick. And nothing changes, but hey, what if? <laughs> Am I sitting here staying, saying stay mellow? There's a possibility. Facts. D-Wave would have been a better choice. You could also do the play that game with Detroit, too. Like, what if Detroit just took someone different? But I don't care or about the, them. Or the Sixers with Markel Fultz <laughs> instead of Jason Tatum. But, yep. I, I mean, I guess my point around this would be that, you know, organizations are only as good as their management and uh it's these you know the celtics of the world aren't making these choices it's the teams that that have bad management that continue to make poor picks hey tommy don't ruin my fun (laughs) hey there was they were in vancouver at that point right well not in 2002 and 2003 they weren't yeah Basically, what if the Grizzlies hadn't traded for a guy that was old and bad and instead got Carmelo Anthony or Dwayne Wade? Yeah. I just, when you mentioned the first name, I was like, I didn't even realize you'd done that. That's terrible. I'm sorry, man. I've never heard this story before and I feel bad for you. Oh, I told you it was a personal one, so. 
All right, Tommy, you got back-to-back picks to round out your list. All right, my next one is going to be, what if Tiger Woods doesn't have the scandal in 2009? Uh, <laughs> and this is one that, that I think is, is Zach's going to love this one. Because at that point in his career, he has 71 wins, 14 majors. He's only 33 years old. Uh, and now 13 years later, he only has 11 more wins, one more major. Um Obviously, the sky's the limit at that point. Maybe his body still breaks down the way it does. But um, I think, you know, he didn't win another tournament for three years after that. It, it was right in the prime of his career. I mean, we could be talking about a guy that has over 100 wins right now and might be blown away Jack Nicholas in terms of number of majors. But um, the scandal and then, you know, all this body breaking down and him getting – and all these painkillers and, and so on and so on. And it was just a, a pretty rough time after that. Yeah, I think that's a steal for round three. I also wonder, like, how much of that was him also just training like a Green Beret and, like, blowing out his back? And... Yeah. I think I think the scandal definitely cut out some wins and some major wins probably. But I think no matter what, his body, the way he trained, he didn't stop ever his body was always going to break down. He he was just, he trained differently and it was going to take a toll. He hit so many golf balls, so many golf balls, so many golf balls. I just, your back can't do that over and over and over for years and years. Well, it's interesting because I, I met, uh, I was down in Jupiter, I met Gary Player uh, several years ago and he actually has a weighted club in his bag that he'll swing left-handed when he's finished. He was telling me about how he thinks it straightens out his back and helps him stay yeah. in shape. And he's always been one of the most fit players in the history of the tour. Um, and I mean, he does not look his age whatsoever. I'll tell you that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tiger was, I, I've heard stories about Tiger in at Bay Hill, just like putting up ridiculous weight on the bench and then just going out to, to play 10 wins. Yeah. It's like, it, there's a certain point where, yeah, he, he probably pushed himself a little too far, but uh, you're also taking away several years of his prime just because of, you know, all this mental anguish and, yeah. um, you know, bad things going on home. Should have never gotten married. <laughs> he never gets married. We, uh, we get the greatest golfer ever for another two or three good years. Son no. of a bitch. Don't do it, kids. <laughs> Are you watching something, Zach? No. Oh, you, you can just yell son of a bitch. No, I mean, I'm pissed you got married. Son <laughs> of a bitch was greedy. All right. All right, Tommy, you want to round out your, your four here? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what my fourth is going to be. What if I uh, should I go with the one that's given me the most pain, or should I go with the one that's that's probably better? But I want your pain. Is there an honorable mention section? Yeah, there is an honorable mention, and you already have three really good ones on the board, so you can throw a personal one out there. I don't think it's going to hurt you. So yeah, I'll give you the the painful one, which is what if Mississippi State wins the Egg Bowl in 2014 at Ole Miss. We already lost to Alabama, but we were number four in the country. One loss to Alabama is that we've seen in the, the last few years. If your one loss is to, to a big school like Alabama, you're probably still getting in. Um, 
Although, who was it that got? I know Baylor got held out that year. Ohio State got in, right? And their loss, their loss was. Ohio State big got time. in as the four seed, and they won it. Yeah, they boat yeah. TCU they from three to six. Or TCU, yeah, it was TCU. Yeah, and then they boat raced Ole Miss in the Fiesta Bowl. Fuck Ole Miss. But Ohio State had lost to Virginia Tech that year. It's it's us or a Virginia Tech loss at that point. And you got to think that might go favorably for us. And, I mean, granted, we probably go up against Alabama in the – Yeah, we just get a rematch. That's the thing. I don't know. I, I want that's, that's a game we lost by five points. I mean, we were down 19 nothing early. And... Yeah, we didn't show up in the first half at all. And, I mean, we lost about five. Safety to start the game was horrendous. Mm-hmm. What, what really off. hurts you? What really hurts your case is that we ended up losing the Orange Bowl to Georgia Tech by a pretty substantial margin. Yeah, um, but I think the argument can be made that if we win the Egg Bowl, then uh, what's his name, the coach at uh, Georgia Tech now, who is our DC, Jeff Collins, he doesn't leave if we are in the playoffs. He doesn't leave for another defensive coordinator job in the middle of a playoff run. So that really changes the whole scope of that team. Collins is there. We're a different team. I I also know that, I mean, I think Kyle Couples has mentioned this. We just weren't really focused when we were down in in Miami. Like, this was a team that had national championship aspirations ripped from them in the last few weeks after being the number one team in the country. So I don't don't necessarily think that that showing down in Miami was was much to write about uh, when it came to our season. Uh, That's not what I think about when I think about that season. Right. Yeah, that egg bowl law sucked. I was in the uh, I was in the stands for that, and uh, not oh, a fun I was time. Screaming profanity when they flipped Dak Prescott. <laughs> I was uh, that hurt. I I went to what was it twelve out of thirteen games that year. Only missed South Alabama. Was that the game he pooped his pants? Maybe. I don't know if I heard the story. <laughs> Is this your what if? <laughs> I mean, I love what he did for our school. Now I can't. I hope he never wins a game with the Cowboys ever again. But uh, love him for what he did at Mississippi State. But I'm pretty sure he pooped in his pants at a game. Uh, I'm sorry, guy. I'm sorry. But that's what it looked like. It's from a neutral observer. He's not Odell Beckham Jr. My honorable mention is going to be what if Desmond Ritter is the next Dak Prescott? There you go. There's my honorable mention. Okay. <laughs> uh, my last pick is what if the 1994 MLB lockout doesn't happen? The Expos are on pace for 106 wins, and then uh, they everything just stopped. They ran out of funds and had to get rid of all their big guys, Vladimir Guerrero and Larry Walker and all them. And then 10 years later, the Expos moved to uh, Washington. Would we still have another baseball team in Canada? Probably. Yeah. I think I we should have another baseball team in Canada. The Braves definitely don't win 14 straight division titles, though, because the MLB bailed us the fuck out that year. <laughs> We were not going to win the division, and the baseball said, all right, we're done. We're good. Next year, come back. We win the World Series. It was great. It was perfect. MLB did us a big favor. 
and Vladdy is one of my favorite players ever. So I wish I, I wish that they uh, Montreal had kept the team. But you're probably right; they probably hang out a lot longer. Yeah, the Nationals ever get their title? Not in Washington. Yeah. Wait, what? Yes, does, do the Nationals ever get their title? Oh, probably. I mean, that was still like 30 years later. <laughs> we'll have plenty of time to move and then get back Scherzer. <laughs> all right, Zach, round out your list here. Um, all right, I'm out of them. So I'm just going to go with something real current, real current events here. What, and it's, I mean, it's just going to have to play out in the future. What if Freddie Freeman's agent had told him about the offer from Atlanta? Um, I mean, this literally, this news came out today that the reason Pretty was so emotional this weekend is he didn't ever get a final offer from Atlanta, but he did, and his agent just never told him about it in hopes he'd get a bigger deal from L.A. So that's why the Braves traded for Matt Olson and Freddie went to L.A. Freddie finds out about that deal. He definitely signs with Atlanta. He's definitely still here. Um, so how is that going to impact those two organizations over the next six years, six to eight years, depending on how uh, with Matt Olson's contract, but I know we, the, every, all the fans wanted Freeman back, but I like Matt Olson a lot, but it, this weekend was freaking weird. I've never seen a player in his prime return home and be that freaking emotional. It was weird. Like his own teammates were like, are we second fiddle? Like questioning him. It was weird. Also, yeah. what an asshole that agent is. Yeah, what the fuck? Like, how can you just get in a, a six-year, $160 million offer and be like, I'm not going to tell my client about this one. It's all good. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, I, I've i never heard anything like this from, from an agent. That's pretty shocking. I'll tell you what, though. They're, they might be leading the division at this point, but the Yankees are winning it all this year, so... There's the ring talk again, man. Hey, I'm talking about the future, not the past. <laughs> Last year, you told me if the Yankees would have gotten past their first round opponent, they would have beaten the Braves in the World Series. So it's like a billion times the Yankees should have went World Series. Dude. It's every year. Yawn. <laughs> a 30-year payroll will still kick your ass. <laughs> Isn't it Cunha coming back? He comes back tomorrow. Okay. All right, Dalton. This will end the whole thing, so make it a good one. All right. Let's just rip right into it. What if Bobby Boucher played the entire Bourbon Bowl? (laughs) 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 No telling what the score would have been. It would have been infinity to zero. It would have been an ass whooping. No, that's not really it. Would would Vicky Valancourt have still gotten the score right? There's no way she could count that high. <laughs> uh, but my real one is, and I don't know if this is allowable, this might be vetoed, because uh, it's kind of something that could happen in the future, but what if the college football playoff was eight or 16 teams uh, from the start? Uh, the way I see that like happening is you choose four of the New Year's Six Bowls, and you kind of do a regional format there. Um, and if that were the case, uh, in 2014, we would have been in, I don't know, say the Orange Bowl uh, regional, and Florida State would have been the one seed. We would have been the two seed. 
Kansas State would have been our first game. Uh, and Arizona State would have played Florida State for the first game. And maybe we come away from that supposed regional in my format and get a spot in the, the final 14 playoff. Um, that's just something I've always thought about, kind of baseball regional style. And uh, it's a big what if, because that seems like a super winnable regional for me, I guess, in football terms. Um, and I was curious what you guys thought about something like that or how you would format it. Yeah, well, we definitely would have been in in 2014. I don't I know like what it. the format would have looked like. but I think if you go to 16 teams, the format, each of the top eight teams should host a home game. I think if you're one of the top eight seeds, the first should be on campus. You're going to fill every one of those stadiums. And then your semifinals can be uh, can be the uh, whatever, the rotating. The New Year's Six. Game. Yeah, and then you have your national title. Perfect. So if you went to 16, I would, I'd reward, you know, those schools with a home game. I think that would be cool. So, I don't – first of all, I don't, I don't think there should be expanded playoffs. There's just too many bloodbaths in these games as it is. Um, You're a bad person, Tommy. It would be exciting. You're a bad person. It would be exciting, but it's just not going to be competitive. And It's not competitive already. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I think if you expand it, though, it gets more competitive. Like the NCAA tournament, you, you would think every year, like, oh, it's not going to be competitive between a three seed and a 14 seed. And I know it's way different, but – We've seen those teams make runs to the Final Four. I mean, Ole Miss was the last team into the College World Series and won it. I know it's a big stretch there, but sooner or later, a 12 seed would win the national championship in football if you go to if you go to 16 teams. So just based on I what you said, I don't that. think that's true. That it's so much more lopsided in football, though. I mean, that's true. It's I think it, as you expand it, it becomes lopsided, in my opinion when more teams being able to have a shot at winning it. That's so Zach, based on your format, we would have played Arizona. It would be a 7-10 matchup if there were 16, if I'm not mistaken. So we would have hosted Arizona that year. Um, and I think that's very winnable for us as well. We get Good news. Arizona we get them on the schedule next year to right the yeah. wrongs of the NCAA. At 11 p.m. I, I mean, I... I Hate that. Even even expanding to eight doesn't even. Uh, I didn't realize Tommy hated fun. I didn't realize yeah. that you were just a big fan of watching them in this dude. Orange Bowl game Which, instead of expanding. Oh, I'll be the first one at one of those games. But the thing is, I just don't think it's going to be competitive. I, it, Would you like more sports or less? Uh, I'll take less, please. Yeah, I'll take an Orange Bowl well, that's problem, just a regular bowl game instead of turning it into a playoff how, game. How, how much, fighting the problem, too, is how do you fit that in the schedule? That's four extra games what? on top of conference title games, on top of everybody's oh got to play eight God, games in more sports. Oh, oh, man, man, man. Four weeks after the football season, they're just sitting there. Like, yeah, yeah. longer. Well, there's the NFL playoffs. Imagine how much more fun that Pitt-Michigan State game would have been last year if Kenny Pickett had actually played. Yeah, that, it, it keep, it'd keep a lot more players playing in games, too, in the postseason. Don't get me wrong. It's great for interest. I just don't think it's going to be. Mike Leach thinks we should go to 64, and yeah, he's yeah, got a plan for it. Well, Mike Leach. Now, that is what we weed. should do. Yeah, he's my spirit animal. I love that. <laughs> I hate his offense, man. We should be running. <laughs> I was about to say that's big news coming from you, <laughs> yeah, since you're yeah. you're a you're a service academy kind of guy. 
we wouldn't be similar coaches, but I feel like we respond to things very similarly. Uh, I don't know. I like Mike Leach a lot. Cool guy. Totally would have a beer or 20 with him. Zach Arnett is basically Zach Haller, so that defense is already set. Oh, man. It's the greatest dribbler of a basketball I've ever seen, Zach Howley. Man, our B team in college <laughs> had some goobers. That should have been my what if. What if everyone on the B team went pro? What if we All reached right. full potential? All right, I'm going to run through everyone's list real quick, and then we'll get into honorable mentions. Dalton, your first was what if the Patriots lose Super Bowls 51 and 52, right? Yeah. What if Bear Bryant never left Alabama or never left AM for, for Alabama? What if soccer had the attention of the other four big sports? And what if the college football playoff had started with eight or 16 teams? Yeah. Zach, you had what if Jordan didn't retire the first time? What if Drew Brees had never gotten hurt? What if the 2012 info fly rule that was called correctly was called, uh, was not called, I guess? And then uh, what if Freddie Freeman's agent wasn't an asshole? I had, uh, what if Alabama did not hire Nick Saban? What if Cam Newton had actually come to Mississippi State? What if the Otis Thorpe trade had never been made? And what if the MLB did not experience a lockout in 1994? Tommy, you had the most convoluted, what if the Bills in 68 just weren't booty cheeks? Is it the way I'm going <laughs> to simplify it? Yeah, hence giving us the popularity of the Kardashians. <laughs> what if the Dez catch had been ruled a catch? What if Tiger doesn't have a scandal? And what if State won the 2014 Egg Bowl? Does anyone have any honorable mentions they want to hit on? Uh, what if Kawhi Leonard didn't hit the ridiculous three to knock off the Sixers in 2019? I mean, that's the best Sixers team that they've had with Jimmy Butler and whatnot. Maybe he stays in Philly. And, I mean, they rolled everybody after that. So I think the Sixers won the title if they get through that game. Um, and then the other two that I think I had – that were were pretty solid were uh what if baseball allowed steroids and it did (laughs) (laughs) and then what if Babe Ruth wasn't sold to the Yankees yeah I had that one on there too yeah do you have any you want to touch on do I have any yes yes I do um so I got some I almost threw Zach this bone as my number four but uh what if Michael Vick never got caught was one of mine. Um, I had it too. I just had it worded differently. What if you just never fought dogs? But never getting caught, same thing. Second one, what if Dallas wasn't a dog shit poverty franchise since 1996? Um, Weed and boys. Uh, but see, are you a Saints uh, fan? What if Bobby Petrino never got caught again? Uh, what if Jack and Kobe stayed together? That's uh, and finally, well, not finally, what if James Conrad didn't hit the shot at Disc Golf Worlds in 2021, which he's not sure. <laughs> I question and lastly, that one what if Buddy never got injured on Airbus old receiver? Uh, what would the score have been in the end? Yeah. Those are my those are my honorable mentions. Zach, I think you said you had one. Yeah, I got a couple. What if Barry Bonds never did steroids? I think Cameron Hank's still the king. That's all that matters. 
what if Chris Webber didn't call timeout in the natty and blow it? Does he ever win anything the rest of his career? Does he just continue to be cursed? Um, and that's, uh, those are the only two that I came up with. I have ones that are sad for me. What if Luck doesn't retire? And what if Peyton doesn't go to Denver? What if Pete Carroll never left USC? What if Bo Jackson had stayed healthy? What if Steve Bartman hadn't touched that ball in 2003 ALCS? What if Len uh, what if, didn't die? That was yeah. one that I what if Joe Moorhead actually was an offensive guru? <laughs> <laughs> what if he actually needed to be resized? That's a good one. What if that ref... What if that ref had correctly ruled Calvin Ridley an, an, an ineligible receiver? Yes. Um, similar to yours, Dalton, what if Charlotte hadn't traded Kobe and what if Shaq hadn't left Orlando? They what if Ted Williams and Joe DiMaggio didn't go to the war? I got one that I just thought of. What if Landon Sims never got hurt? We sweep Ole Miss and they don't even make it into the tournament. Because they were one SEC game away from not making it in, and that would have been the sweep. When we could have just beaten them in. Up something recent. I thought that's where he was going with that. What if Ole Miss didn't make a tournament? That was not nearly recent enough. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could ask, what if NC State didn't get put we out did. for COVID? We would have gone in dry. We would have gone in dry. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't have mattered. To that, to that subject, though, too, I was just thinking about what if Andy Cannizzaro doesn't start banging people in the athletic yeah. office? <laughs> yeah. Are we yeah. ever national champions? All we needed him to do was drive around on a motorcycle and uh, have a neck brace, and it would have been perfect. <laughs> like did he get fired from the high school team he was coaching at? Yeah, really recently. I saw that, yeah. I don't know what happened, but... I think we're all going to have an idea. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, nothing's come out about it, so... All right, guys, before we get out of here, I'm going to give Dalton and Zach the last word on something. Zach, your Atlanta Hawks trade for DeJounte Murray today. Thoughts? I am so excited because all we did was give up picks. Dylanella uh, Gallinari, who we were going to get rid of anyway. They're just going to cut his ass. So uh, I'm happy. Trey's got a lot of help now handling the ball. And Woj says we're not done. So I think we're going to continue to be active. I think this roster is still going to look a lot different between now and the first game. But I think they got a steal with uh, Deontay Murray, and I'm excited. Fuck the Grizz. Again, just an unnecessary I shot. You're right. You're right. They weren't even in on him. Fuck you can't the get Falcon shot, stuff like that, man. <laughs> Dalton, I'm going to give you a second here to mourn the loss of your lightning. Yeah, it was a tough one. Um, you look back at the games in the series, obviously game two was just a just an utter obliteration of the lightning. But you look at game one, Pat Maroon had that stupid out-of-bounds penalty or that delay of game penalty in his own zone uh, with like a minute and 52 seconds left. There's no telling what would happen there. Uh, you don't want to get the avalanche in. Overtime, obviously. Uh, game five should have been one. Uh, was that? No, it was game four that should have been one. It should have been 2-2. Two, two. And no, it's a completely different series. Just some stupid, stupid mistakes. And uh, didn't get a lot of calls that I wanted to, but that's neither here nor there. I think the Avalanche were just better. Um, but I'm sure the Lightning will be back. I, I'm 
positive that they will be, I'd say, I'd bet a large amount of money they'll be in the, at least the Eastern Finals again next year. Uh, and they'll probably be playing for another Stanley Cup. So it's all good. It happens. Uh, it's not as bad as uh, that dumpster fire of a school winning the College World Series. It just shows that any group of morons can do it, I guess. I guess what we did wasn't even that impressive, if you actually think about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, It'll be impressive when we do it next year, though, when we have everybody back. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, and thanks for having me on, man. This has been fun. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for tonight. Each and every one of you, I appreciate it. This was a ton of fun. Uh, we're going to have to do something like this again in the future. So if I send you all a text, I'm sorry. And please say yes. All right. Yeah, I'm in. Can't wait. <laughs> I didn't have anything else to do, so. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone, thanks for tuning in, and uh, check it out again next week. All right, we'll see you.